Hello and welcome to the Forward Progress Football Podcast, episode 36. I'm your host, Zach Party, and today we're kicking off our second-to-last division, the NFC West, with the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get on into it. Alright, so in case you guys are new here, what we do is we go over each team position by position, just breaking down the whole roster, and then at the end of it, I talk about what I think the team's floor and ceiling should be, as well as their over and under, whether or not I think that they will hit the the over or the under, and then the biggest strength, the biggest weakness on the roster. At the end of this whole series, I'm going to be doing a whole season prediction, um, where I'll give my official win totals for each team as well as a playoff prediction and a seasoned award prediction so if you want to stick around for that drop a like comment and hit the subscribe button and yeah without any further ado let's get on into today's team which is the arizona cardinals so starting things off as always with the quarterbacks they have kyler murray colt mccoy trace mcsorley and jared garantano so Kyler Murray is one of the premier young quarterbacks in the league, and he just got a big extension to keep him in the desert. There's been some questions regarding his commitment, and play does drop off when the rest of the team in the second half, but people are quick to forget that he was the leading MVP candidate before him and DeAndre Hopkins both got injured. His elite athleticism and good arm allow this offense to create crazy explosive plays, and while not having Hopkins early will limit them, I do think the Hollywood Brown acquisition will help Kyler still be able to create these big explosive plays. I also hope that Kingsbury and these play designers have more designed quarterback runs, taking advantage more so of what he can do in the ground game, because I still think there's a lot to be unlocked there with him. McCoy has been a backup in this league for a long time, providing some veteran stability and leadership to the quarterback room and showing last year that he can keep the ship afloat if Kyler goes down, going 2-1 and one in games he started. Trace McSorley is an exciting player because of his athletic ability, but he hasn't gotten the chance to play much outside of a few snaps for the Ravens in 2020 before tearing his ACL. And Garantano is a UDFA from this class. So for running backs, they have James Conner, Darrell Williams, Eno Benjamin, Keontae Ingram, Jonathan Ward, TJ Pledger, and Ronnie Rivers. James Conner is a great NFL success story. In the opening game of his junior year, Conner tore his MCL, and while recovering, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. He overcame both the injury and his cancer to have a standout senior campaign that got him picked in the third round in 2017 by the Steelers. Connor stepped up in his second season during Le'Veon Bell's holdout, putting up almost 1,500 total yards and 13 touchdowns. He dealt with injuries and signed a prove-it deal with the Cardinals last offseason, and he did prove it, being their leading rusher with 750 yards on the ground but most importantly, a nose for the end zone with 15 total touchdowns. But more importantly, a nose for the end zone with 15 touchdowns and three more through the year. He's not the most explosive player and should be on a pitch count because of his injury history, but he has great ability in the short yardage game at 6'1", 230 to be a perfect power back in a running back by committee room. Williams quietly had a good season for the Chiefs last year, with 1,000 total yards and 8 touchdowns. Despite being 220 pounds and running a 4.72, 2 
He's a solid third down receiving back, even having a nine catch, 100 yard game last year. He's not like overly explosive or anything, but he's a reliable pair of hands out the backfield. Benjamin can be the change of pace back, scat back type here. At 5'10", 200 with good short area quickness and decent top speed, at least better than Connors and Williams, he can be this team's explosive playback and play that Chase Edmonds role from last year if need be. Ingram is a six-round pick out of LSU this year. Ward went undrafted in 2020 but has hardly seen the field yet, and Pletcher and Rivers are both UDFAs from this class. So for wide receivers, they have DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, Andy Isabella, Antoine Wesley, Greg Dortch, Andre Bachelia, Victor Bolden, John Trey Kirkland, and Javante Payton. So Hopkins has been one of the best receivers in the league since being taken at the end of the first round in 2013. He's got some of the most sure pair of hands in the league and is elite at all levels despite his 4.57 speed. However, he didn't seem quite the same last year, struggling with injuries and posting 572 yards and 8 touchdowns in 10 games, not going over 100 yards once. He'll also miss the first 6 weeks of the season due to a PED suspension and is now 30 years old. I think most likely he'll come back and be his old dominant self again, but there is a growing possibility that he just suddenly passed his prime. And then while I think the first round pick was a bit rich, Hollywood Brown is going to be a vital piece to this offense, especially early on. He'll play the Z receiver role even when Hopkins is suspended, and I think he's going to thrive in this offense. The 5'9 receiver with killer speed is going to become Kyler's favorite quickly, especially with their Sooner background. He'll bring this offense what they wanted out of Isabella and what they kind of got out of Kirk last year, a serious downfield threat that will open up the whole field and create chunk plays if the defense is caught lacking. This new element to the offense can help prevent the second half collapse, especially if they can get better with Hopkins returning. And then this team has a thing definitely for shorter players, with Kyler, Brown, and then now Moore also being 5'9". Moore is going to play the same role that he did last year, a gadget slot player who will catch plenty of bubble screens and use his elusiveness to his advantage. And I think that he'll be even better entering year two, and then with Hopkins targets also needing to go elsewhere at least early on. Green will be this team's number one X receiver for the first six games, as Kingsbury and this offense loves to have their receivers play like one position. So it'll be Green on the left early on, Brown on the right, and then more in the slot, with Green going to the bench when Hopkins returns. He isn't the same dominant receiver that he was in Cincinnati, which sucks because when he was there, he probably was my favorite receiver in the league. However, I think he showed that he still have some of that juice left in the tank last year, and he will be this team's number four receiver when Hopkins comes back, which is a lot better than most teams' number four. He should be mildly productive in Hopkins' absence, and I wouldn't be surprised if he had the most catches on the team through six weeks, although I do believe that Brown will have the most yards. Isabella was taken in the second round in 2019 to be this team's speed threat, but has hardly seen the field despite almost no injuries and a thinner receiving room for a few years. Last year, he was hardly active and only had one catch for 13 yards. 
If he makes the team, it would be strictly as insurance for Brown getting injured. Wesley went undrafted in 2019 and saw his first snaps last year. At 6'5", 200, he's tall and skinny, able to win some jump balls, but he didn't prove to be much more than that. Dorch also went undrafted in 2019 and saw his first snaps last year, appearing in the last two weeks as a slot receiver, but didn't do too much. Pachelia went undrafted in 2020, but hasn't played yet. Bolden went undrafted in 2017 and hasn't seen snaps since 2018. And Kirkland and Peyton are both UDFAs for this class. So for tight ends, they have Zach Ertz, Max Williams, Trey McBride, Steven Anderson, Dion Yelder, Bernard Sikovitz, and Chris Pierce Jr. Ertz was a top five tight end in Philadelphia and showed last year that despite turning 31 back in November, he can still be at least in that top 10 conversation. He's a good enough blocker for a tight end and still a reliable pair of hands who can find soft spots in zones and be a security blanket for Kyler. His addition seems to be pretty under the radar, but he just adds to an impressive group of weapons for Kyler to throw to. Williams was taken in the second round by the Ravens in 2015. He could never crack the depth chart there and signed with the Cardinals in 2019. He's dealt with injuries throughout his career, but he looked like he would finally have the chance to have that breakout campaign last year. He was off to a pretty good start, but tore his ACL in Week 5. Now he'll have to come back from that injury again just to keep compete for the number 2 job. McBride was absolutely dominant at Colorado State, which got him drafted in the second round this year. He was an offensive focal point with 1,100 yards, but he oddly only had one touchdown. He has good speed for a tight end and was a good blocker, but there will be a steep jump in competition, and the Cardinals do have two good tight ends ahead of him. It would be shocking, though, if he wasn't able to develop into their number one after like a year or two. Anderson went undrafted in 2016 and spent the last two years with the Chargers as a death tight end, seeing the feel of it, but probably won't do too much here. Uh, Yelder went undrafted in 2018, but sorely seen the field yet. Sikovitz went undrafted last year and didn't play. And Pierce Jr. is a UDFA from this class. So along their offensive line, their projected starters are DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, and Kelvin Beecham, with Joshua Miles, Coda Martin, Josh Jones, and Eric Smith backing up at tackle, Marquise Hayes, Sean Harlow, Rashad Coward, Justin Murray, Danny Isadora and Greg Long backing up at guard, and Leketis Smith and Guy Ndubuisi backing up at center. Humphreys looked like a bust early on, struggling with injuries and poor performance when he was able to get on the field. However, the Cardinals stuck to him and he proved them right, developing into an overall solid left tackle and just signed a third contract with the team. There are obviously better tackles in the league, but it's never a bad thing to have a quality starter protecting your quarterback's blind side. Miles was taken in the seventh round in 2019, but hasn't done much yet. And Martin went undrafted in 2019, also hardly playing. Pew was a good to even great guard with tackle flexibility with the Giants, but he started to deal with injuries there, which followed him to Arizona. His play dropped with his injuries, but when he is out there, he is a starting level guard still, although I don't think he would be trusted out at tackle anymore. Hayes was taken in the seventh round out of Oklahoma this year, and Harlow 
was taken in the fourth round by the Falcons in 2017 and saw his first significant snaps at last year at center and guard, providing some backup caliber play. Coward went undrafted in 2017 and saw some action with the Bears in 2019 and 2020, but played poorly there. Hudson has been one of the best centers of this generation, giving up 28 pressures and two sacks from 2015 to 2019 on the Raiders, including a three-year stretch of 11 pressures and one sack, which is just absurd. He's not the biggest, and there are plenty of better run-blocking centers, but his pass blocking was just unmatched, and he's one of the best players in the league at recognizing stunts and calling protections. His play has dropped since 2020, and the Raiders shipped him to Arizona for a third-round pick, where he did uh, pick it back up a bit with only four pressures and one sack allowed through 12 games, but his ability to call out uh, protections is invaluable for this offensive line and just makes the whole unit better. Smith was taken in the sixth round this year out of Virginia Tech, and Ndubuisi is a UDFA from this class. Hernandez was taken at the top of the second round in 2018 and had a good rookie season with the Giants. However, he seemed to get worse each season and also dealt with an injury in 2020. Now he's hoping that a change in scenery can reignite his career. Murray went undrafted in 2016 and has seen some starts at guard or tackle for the Cardinals, being a better pass protector than a run blocker. I wouldn't be surprised if Murray was the week one starter over Hernandez as Hernandez has higher highs but hasn't shown that consistency level yet. Isadora was taken in the fifth round in 2017, bouncing around the league as a backup guard, and Long is a UDFA from this class. Beecham was taken in the seventh round by the Steelers in 2012, but he has developed into a quality starting tackle. In these last two years with the Cardinals, he surrendered 53 pressures and five sacks. He isn't elite by any means, and he isn't the greatest at run blocking, but he's an above average starting tackle, making this duo one of the better ones in the league despite neither of them being really stars. He did just turn 33 though, so it is a question on how much longer he can keep this up. Jones was taken in the third round in 2020 out of Houston, but hasn't developed like many at Hope. He started most of this season at right guard or right tackle, looking poor at both positions, so he's likely going to be a backup again. And Smith went undrafted in 2017, but has hardly played yet. So along their interior defensive line, they have J.J. Watt, Lecky Fotu, Zach Allen, Kingsley Kiki, Michael Dogby, Richard Lawrence, Jonathan Ledbetter, Antoine Woods, Christian Ringo, and Manny Jones. So J.J. Watt is one of the greatest players of all time, but his injury history is more than concerning, playing two full seasons in the last six. When he is out there, he's an absolute force against both the run and the pass. Last year in Arizona, he played a lot more inside than he had in Houston. That's why I'm listing him more as like an interior defensive line, but he can definitely play some edge too. Um, he mostly plays a five tech mo like over the tackle and kicks more inside on those pass rushing downs. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be far and away the best pass rusher on this team, but that is a huge if, and he's entering his age 33 season. Votu was taken in the fourth round in 2020 to be a no-stock over this team, seeing some of the rotational snaps so far, and being an all-right big body against the run, 
but providing next to nothing versus the pass. Allen was taken in the third round in 2019 and plays kind of like that J.J. Watt role opposite of him um, in this defense, but at a much less productive level. He lines up anywhere from three to even seven tech all the way on outside the tackle. He's a tweener who hasn't been able to find his footing yet, but he's gotten better each year, putting up 26 pressures and four sacks last year. Kiki is another one of these three to five tech pass rushing specialists, not seeing much action on rundowns in Green Bay. The former fifth round pick was a decent rotational pass rusher for the Packers, um, not doing much more than that, and just signed with the Cardinals. Dogby was taken in the seventh round in 2019 by the Cardinals, but he hasn't seen the field too much yet as a penetrating three tech, not doing much when he has been able to get playing time. Lawrence will rotate in as an undersized nose tackle for this team after being taken in the fourth round in 2020. He was a decent run stuffer in the snaps he did get last year, and hopefully he can keep growing there to provide some beef for this team up the middle. Ledbetter went undrafted in 2019, but has hardly seen the field so far. Woods went undrafted in 2016 as a nose tackle, seeing most of his snaps in 2020 with the Cowboys, but hardly seeing the field last year for the Colts. Ringo was taken in the sixth round in 2015 by the Packers and has bounced around the league and even to the CFL as a rotational depth piece, better against the run than the pass. And Jones is a UDFA from this class. So for edge defenders, they have Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardeck, Cameron Thomas, Majay Sanders, Victor Demukije, Jesse Lemonier, and Jesse Lucetta. Golden was taken in the second round by the Cardinals in 2015. He got off to a hot start after his first two seasons, but then couldn't stay healthy. He signed with the Giants in 2019 and had a career year with 64 pressures and 12 sacks. Halfway through the 2020 season, he was traded back to the Cardinals and then had 44 pressures and 11 sacks last year. He's a good speed rusher and probably best as a number two or number three, which he can be if Watt is healthy, but I don't like him being the number one when Watt inevitably does go down. Kennard is a hybrid edge who the Cardinals used more for run defense last year with Golden and Jones being the primary pass rushing edges. But with the departure of Chandler Jones, Kennard will be the most proven player on this roster and will likely see a lot of snaps where once again he isn't necessarily bad but he is much better as a complementary piece than as a starter. Gardeck went undrafted in 2018 and had a crazy season with the Cardinals in 2020 with 18 pressures and 7 sacks on 79 pass rush attempts, which is just crazy high pressure rate. That's like 22% pressure rate and then almost half of them turning into sacks. Um, just absurd. So he ended up seeing a few more snaps last year, which showed that performance was just a fluke, having 12 pressures and 0 sacks off of 102 rushes. Thomas was taken in the third round this year out of SDSU. There, he lined up all along the defensive line and was one of the most productive pass rushers in the nation. He'll deal with a heavy spiking competition, and he dropped some weight to be more of a true edge now when many thought his best role would be either stay at the same weight or pack on a few pounds and be kind of like that 3-7 to seven tech. Um, but 
he can still potentially kick inside and we'll just have to see if they do use him that way and how effective he will be. I do think though he has the highest upside out of this edge room. You just hope he hits that soon or this group definitely is concerning. Sanders was also taken in the third round in this year's draft, but out of Cincinnati. And then I lied about Thomas having the highest upside here as it probably is Sanders, but it will take him some time to hit that upside. So Thomas has like the highest immediate upside, if that makes sense. Because Sanders, he's an extremely explosive athlete who was able to rack up 10 pressures versus Alabama in the playoffs. However, he was inconsistent week to week and is only 228 pounds for an edge defender, which is 0th percentile, so the lightest you can be according to mockdraftable.com. He'll need to bulk up and hopefully maintain his quickness if he does want to succeed at edge in the NFL. Timu Kije was taken in the 6th round last year, but hardly played as a rookie. Lemonier went undrafted in 2020 and saw some action with the Lions last year, so we'll see if he can make some noise here in uh, thinner Arizona the edge room. And then Luketa is a UDFA from this class. So for linebackers, they have Isaiah Simmons, Xavier Collins, Nick Vigil, Ezekiel Turner, Tano Vallejo, Joe Walker, Ben Neiman, and Chandler Wooten. Simmons was taken ninth overall in 2020 out of Clemson, where he played every position. The versatile defensive player was moved to linebacker by the Cardinals, where his athleticism flashes and you can see his upside, but he can also be put in a bind and picked on as a younger player. And he is lighter for a linebacker at 230, so he can't get bullied up the middle versus the run. I'm still optimistic his talent will shine through, but it has yet to fully show. Uh, hopefully he can put it all together in year three. Collins was taken 16th overall last year. The Tulsa product has the build of a traditional run-stuffing linebacker at 6'4", 260, but he has great speed for his size and showed great ability in coverage in college. He was eased in his rookie year, not playing too many snaps, but he did play decent for a rookie in limited action. This duo has so much potential, but neither of them are anywhere near proven, so... I hope that they can prove themselves out this year as they would be so fun to watch if they can hit their ceilings. But yeah, they just need to go out there and show us what they're capable of. Vigil was taken in the third round in 2016 by the Bengals and spent the last two years with the Chargers and Vikings. He's gotten a lot of playing time so far in his career and could steady the ship if one of these starters go down or if they just play poorly as young linebackers but he's offered only like replacement level play so far. Turner went undrafted in 2018, but hasn't gotten on the field defensively much. Vallejo was taken in the sixth round in 2017, but he hasn't seen the field too much for a few different teams and playing poorly when given on the opportunity. Walker was taken in the seventh round in 2016 by the Eagles and is now on his second stint with the Cardinals, not playing too much defense, but being more of a special teams guy. Neiman went undrafted in 2018 and saw a lot of action for the Chiefs, but he played poorly there and is now going to need to fight to make the roster here. And Wooten is a UDFA from this class. So for cornerbacks, they have Byron Murphy Jr., Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Breon Borders, Chase Whitaker, Christian Matthew, Josh Jackson, Nate Brooks, and Daryl Baker Jr., 
Murphy has been one of the better slot corners since being taken with the first pick in the second round in 2019. He also has the ability to play outside corner if needed, but he definitely does play better inside, so hopefully some of these outside corners can step up and allow him to stay where he's most comfortable. Wilson was taken in the fourth round last year, but he started almost every game due to this team's lack of depth. He had his ups and downs as a rookie, but he did start coming on to his own by the end of the season. He was a starter as a true freshman at Florida, but a torn ACL and a lack of development put his future in question. If he can recapture that innate ability and develop into a plus starter here, that'd be a huge find for the Cardinals. Hamilton will get the chance to be the week one starter for the first time since going undrafted in 2016. He's seen a bit of action each year, seeing the most snaps last year with the Cardinals. He's mostly improving so far, but last year the Cardinals secondary was also horrid on paper, but ended up playing fine. So maybe Vance Joseph can get the most out of this ragtag group once again. And then apparently the Cardinals have things for undrafted corners who were first picked up by the Raiders in 2016 and 2017. Borders saw a couple hundred snaps for the Titans in 2020, and that was his most playing time so far in his career. But he was cut last year and picked up by the Cardinals midseason. We'll see how he performs as he's likely going to be the fourth corner and see significant snaps on this team. Whitaker went undrafted in 2020 and has stuck with the Cardinals, but he hasn't played much so far. Matthew was taken in the 7th round out of Valdosta State. Jackson was picked in the 2nd round in 2018 by the Packers, but played poor as a rookie and was cut after his 3rd year. He only saw a few snaps in Kansas City last year and is in an uphill battle for action here. Brooks went undrafted in 2019, seeing a few snaps, but none last year. And Baker is a UDFA from this class. And then for safeties, they have Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, Deontay Thompson, Charles Washington, James Wigan, and Tay Daly. Baker was taken in the second round 2017, and they experimented with him as a slot before moving him to a true safety role where he has excelled. He's got great speed, but not great enough for DK Metcalf, and is one of the best safeties in run support. If the rest of the secondary was better, he probably would be in the conversation for top 5 safety, as there would be less on his plate and he could just shine more. Jalen Thompson is a solid second safety. Underrated as he is a quality starter, but not someone who's really talked about much. Picked in the 5th round in the 2019 supplemental draft, he missed most of his 2020 campaign with an injury, but he's been a starter since week 5 of his rookie year besides that. He's a solid tackler and good in coverage for a strong safety type. He's going to be playing in a contract year this year, and I think he could definitely shock some people and get a pretty nice payday come next season. And then Deontay Thompson has been this team's third safety, more of a deep coverage safety than someone close to the line of scrimmage. Um, he was also picked in the fifth round 2019, but in the regular draft, so I just think that's kind of funny that they got two Thompsons who play the same position in the same draft in the same round, but... They're slightly different. Um, Washington, he went undrafted in 2016 and hasn't played much defensively, mostly just a special teamer. Wiggins was picked in the seventh round last year but didn't play, and Daly is a UDFA from this class. So for special teams, they have Matt Prater at kicker, Andy Lee and Nolan Cooney at punter, and Aaron Brewer at long snapper. 
Trader is one of the league's best kickers, holding the record for longest uh, field goal made until Tucker broke it last year. Lee has been the Cardinal punter since 2017, but he will be turning 40 before the season starts, so they brought in Cooney to compete, who went undrafted last year. And Brewer has been the Cardinals' long snapper since 2016. All right, so now it's time for the whole season projection overview. Um, the floor for this team, I'm putting at 5-12 and 12 and the ceiling at 9-8. and eight. Some things that can go wrong that lead to that 5-12 and 12 season would be Kyler struggling without Hopkins, and he can't really take that next step into the elite conversation, just stays very good and does get better in the second half with Hopkins, but also experiences that slump and play he always does too. Connor is good in short areas, but they don't really have a true number one type back. This wide receiver core plays bad before Hopkins comes back, and even still, it's just like the D-Hop show and then not really much else behind that. Ertz keeps regressing, Williams doesn't step up as a second option, and McBride can't hit the ground running as a rookie. This tackle duo is just fine, but their interior line really struggles with Pew and Hudson regressing with age and Hernandez still just not being good. Watt gets hurt, and there just isn't anyone who steps up on their defensive line. Golden can't handle all the attention as the number one, and this is just the worst pass rushing group in the league. Simmons and Collins still look like athletic projects where you're like, oh, look, like there's the potential, but there's just too much bad to offset the good. These corners are just atrocious, not being helped by the scheme as much as last year, and the strong safety play that they'll get behind them. And speaking of the safeties, they just look worse as they have to cover so much more ground because of these corners. Optimistically, though, um, some things that can go right lead to a couple more wins is Kyler taking that next step up, entering that elite quarterback conversation. Connor gets more touches with Edmonds gone and ends up being like a true lead back for this team. These weapons are able to hit their ceilings with AJ Green keeping the number one spot warm until Hopkins comes back. Brown killing it as a deep threat Z receiver and more looking like an elite slot. Ertz, Williams, and McBride just combined to form this amazing tight end room. And by the end of the season, McBride is really pushing Ertz for that tight end one job. This offensive line is good enough with good tackles and center and all right enough play from their guards. Watt is able to stay healthy and play pretty great again. Not like old Watt, but still a number one type rusher. Some of the other guys along the defensive line and edge group like Zach Allen, Cam Thomas, or Maisha Sanders are able to step up and produce. Golden still looks good as a number two, three type, and these pass rushers are at least better than bottom third of the league. Simmons and Collins show why they were such high draft picks, being a top five duo. These cornerbacks play above how they should again, and Baker and Thompson play like a great duo. So their over-under is set at eight and a half wins, and man, the schedule is just brutal. And I think their D-hop suspension plus their tendency to drop off in the second half of the year could really hurt them. Before getting Hopkins back, they could easily start 2-4, facing the Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, Panthers, and Seahawks. Then they get a couple of tough but definitely winnable games with the Saints, Vikings, and Hawks again. So optimistically, let's say they go 2-1 or even 3-0. But then week 10 on is rough, and I only really see them in favorites in one or two of these matchups. They go to LA to face the Rams, play the Niners in Mexico, and then come home to host the Chargers. 
They then get a bye, host the Patriots, go to Denver, host the Bucks, go to Atlanta, and end the season at the Niners. I think Kyler would need to be like a top three quarterback for this team to make the playoffs, but I also don't have the most faith in this coaching staff getting the most out of Kyler and this team. So I'm definitely leaning the under for eight and a half. The biggest strength on this roster I'm putting as their uh, receiving weapons, that's both wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, I actually love this receiving group when Nuke comes back. He's that true number one receiver who can take over games and then opposite of him will be an amazing deep threat in Marquise Brown, who already has that chemistry going with Kyler. Moore has elite upside out of that slot. Ertz is still like a great top 10 tight end, and McBride, he has the chance to be even better than him. But the biggest weakness on this roster, I'm putting as the whole front seven. Even with Watt, this group is atrocious, and it's likely that Watt will miss significant time knowing his history. They just don't really have someone you're scared of as an offense, and this very well might be the worst group of pass rushers and run stuffers in the league. Combine that with the uncertainty of these linebackers, who I do really like, but they are just so unproven and did not look good last year, and this whole front seven just looks like a big, gross question mark. Alright, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Leave a like if you liked what you saw and a comment below. Tell me where I'm right. Tell me where I'm wrong. And stick around for the end of the series where I'll do my whole season prediction. And then when the regular season kicks off in just a few weeks, we're going to be doing um, episodes after every week talking about each and every team. So stick around for that and we'll see you then.